I'm thankful that this man to my left is here today. He had a little something happen. And then there was something that didn't happen because of y'all. So my brother, would you just share what happened? so churchy me too you and me both um i'm grateful abba yah is so amazing um to say that he looks out for his own is an understatement the way he has taken care of me uh holistically i was supposed to be flying in this morning uh from texas i told sonya i was gonna get here around 9 30 um bus call was friday evening at seven so at at five o'clock, I'm driving home um, on 40. Traffic's backed up in the right lane. I'm not in the right lane. I'm in the lane next to the right lane. And a uh, 18-wheeler swerves and hits me good. And um, the, uh, I mean, the obvious testimony is I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, But just looking at all the ways that Abba has taken care of me in that um, one, I was in a car by myself, which um, had that been my wife, who is in the third trimester with our first child, had she been in there with me, she would have took the brunt of that hit. That's one. Um, and for me, this is usually my demeanor and my posture, so I'm, this is how it was after. The EMTs were very surprised at my blood pressure levels and everything were where they were. Like, you're relatively, like, you're really calm to have just been rocked by an 18-wheeler that didn't stop. That's another story. Um, but I called my wife, told her what happened, called insurance, did all this stuff, and then she... Um, she was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll see you when you get home. I was like, great, because I got just enough time to make it a bus call. And my wife being my wife, um, was like, I don't think you need to concern yourself with bus calls on tonight. Um, and for me, I, and, and for these brothers, and they know the life of a musician is, is very interesting. You take the the gigs as they come and you work as the work is there, uh, especially in preparation to um, be somebody's father. <laughs> so I'm not going to miss the gig. And uh, with, with the concern being finances, of course. Um, and, and we talked and talked strongly. Um, And I, I've learned that there is, there is no gig that is worth losing the peace in my house. And so um, 
I called and I said, hey, I'm not going to make bus call. I hate that for you. I hate that for me. Don't really feel great about it, but that's where we are. And um, I usually shut down all my work stuff Friday evenings. My family and I observe Shabbat on Saturdays. And, um, and so right before I shut down my computer, I was already uh, upset about missing the money. Right before I shut down my computer, I looked at my email and I had an email from someone asking me if I could, uh, if I could do some work next week. That was three times what I lost uh, by missing a gig. So, uh, so the fact that I'm here, check. The fact that my wife and my unborn baby were not there, and as a result, are still here. Check, check. And to say that Yah is faithful is an understatement. And, um, you know, the, the word tells us that uh, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so, uh, if there is anyone who is uh, concerned in any area of life, I am a witness that uh, he is faithful. Uh, King David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And because he calls us righteous, that applies. And I never have been forsaken. And so thankful to Abba Yah that my seed will never be begging for bread. So um, it's good to see y'all. It's good to be here this morning. And uh, I, I am as excited as you think I should be. Is your car working? So, a while back, my wife was in a, uh, in a car wash, and the truck in front of her stopped and went off the track. And so, the car wash took her right into the truck. It's nothing bad, but for whatever reason, for whatever reason, we hadn't filed a claim or taken my car to get fixed until a couple of days ago. So my car, which if y'all see me riding around, it looks like the emoji. It's the little red, the little red jump. <laughs> my car was in the shop. So I was in an SUV that I rented. Had I been in my car and taken that hit, that's another check mark. So oh I didn't God. think about that. Yeah. So yeah, my car is cool because it's in the shop. The rental car got busted up, but because I was in the rental car, all praises to the Most High, I'm here this morning. Amen. So. Amen. Won't he do it, church? Yes, he will. And um, they have a need as a family. And whether you're in here or you're watching, as... He mentioned his wife is great with child, and he's got a small car. 
They need an SUV. They need an SUV. We will give you a tax write-off for an SUV, if you have one, that we can bless this family with. Or you know one somewhere at a, at a good price that we can come alongside this family and get it. So for those of you who are listening, this is how the church operates, okay? So y'all let us know. We got to make sure that baby is riding right. And we love you. So glad you're safe. I'll get you out by 12, I promise. <laughs> but you do know we're having church right now, right? This is church. This is church. We're turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And I will pray for the word. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Oh God, we are thankful. So thankful. And as our brother said, it is your will for us to give thanks to you in all things at all times. Because, Lord, we know how the story ends. That we are overcomers because Jesus overcame. We are more than conquerors because Jesus conquered. We are victorious because Jesus rose from the dead. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. We thank you for being present in our lives, even when we don't think so. We thank you for protecting us, even when it doesn't feel like it. We trust you, even when we struggle to trust you. Where else can we go? Only you have the words and the power that gives eternal life. Now, Lord, help me to teach your people your word in this hour. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will help us understand the things of God and give us the desire and wherewithal to apply. For we pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So let's talk briefly on the subject of the partnership of the Holy Spirit. And we're just going to call it part one. All right. The partnership of the Holy Spirit. I'll come back and finish this because... There's a word for this church. But the passage, the verse that I just read to you in your hearing, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, is a power-packed verse. Because in this verse, we see the Trinity of God. Did you see that? He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, speaking of the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. We see the triunity or the trinity of God, the fact that God is one. He is one in essence, yet plural in person. This is very important because theologically there are people who want to try to explain away 
the Trinity of God because they don't understand it. Um, but I don't want a God that I can fully understand. Because if it's a God I can fully understand, chances are I created that God. But over and over again in scriptures, we see that as believers, we are monotheists. We worship one God who exists eternally and co-equally as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You brothers have the graphic. You see, the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. How many gods are there? One. It's a mystery, but it's true. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then God said, let us make man in our own image. So there's a plurality within the oneness of God. But let's make it very clear. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. And we can go back around the other way in this illustration. Um, Paul here, as he is sharing this passage or this verse, he's letting us know that God is eternal and that he is plural in his oneness. But also in this verse, we see three words that summarize Christianity. We see three words that summarize Christianity. We see grace, grace, God's unearned favor and goodness towards us, grace. Uh, we also see the word love, uh, God's unconditional emotion towards us that leads to action for us. Love, love, a commitment of the will to meet the need of the person being loved. Love, the love of God. But then we also see communion, communion, which is what the church is supposed to be about. Obviously, the communion by way of remembering the Lord through the body and the blood, the elements. But as we're going to see today, it goes a little bit deeper than that. And that is deep. So we see three key words that are paramount to Christianity. Grace, love, communion. We see the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But also in this one verse, I got, I got to let y'all know something. This is the last verse of this particular letter. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. He concludes with amen. This is it. So what this means is, this is a benediction. This is a closing prayer for this church. Because that's what a benediction is. It is a closing prayer of blessing. And throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, you see the people of God giving benedictory prayers. Prayers of blessings as the people leave the presence of God and go their separate ways. So on and on. And in the writings of Paul, um, most of the time he's going to close his letters with a benediction. Um, we close these services here at Strong Tower Bible Church for the past 28 years with a benediction, a prayer of blessing on the people of God. I grew up that way under Wayne Cockrell, my pastor in Maryland, who, who would always pronounce a blessing over the congregation before we departed. So this verse here is a benedictory prayer. And this prayer that Paul is offering to God for the church was a prayer 
for communion with the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, he says, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. So he's praying for this church in Corinth to have the communion of the Holy Spirit. So before we personalize and individualize this, and we talk about we want and need communion with the Holy Spirit, let's look at this in the broad context first, the immediate context. He's talking to the church, and his prayer is that this church would have the communion of the Holy Spirit. This was a prayer, listen to this, for partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because that's what today's message is entitled, the partnership of the Holy Spirit, part one. So, so this is the partnership. So this was a prayer for the church corporately to have partnership, which is another word for communion. So partnership is another. Some of your translations may say partnership in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. But this is Paul's prayer for the church at Corinth. You see, the word communion in the New King James Version is the Greek word koinonia. How many have heard that word koinonia? If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we had a preacher who pastors koinonia fellowship in Nashville. Koinonia, um, very familiar word. But this is the Greek word, and it literally means partnership. Communion in the English, koinonia from the Greek, the word literally means partnership. So as we continue on thinking this through about partnership, that for the church, this partnership or the crux of koinonia, listen to this, is really found in togetherness. Okay? So I'm praying for the church to have communion with of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying that the church would have partnership with the Holy Spirit and the crux of koinonia to, is togetherness. Togetherness. Why is that so important? Because so often we can live as individuals and not live in community, communion or partnership with one another. It's real bad when we don't live in partnership with other believers. But it's even worse when we don't want to live in partnership with the Holy Spirit. But can we really live in partnership with other believers without living in partnership with the Holy Spirit? Can we really live in partnership with the Holy Spirit and not be in community with other believers? Because the two are inseparable because it goes back to what the law. Jesus said the greatest command is that you love God and love your neighbor. Hang the whole law on love. Vertical love, horizontal. And so this kind of communion is inseparable, the spiritual and the relational togetherness that we're supposed to have. Now, the first church, which is in Acts 2, the church of Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. Men and women, we talked about that a little bit a couple weeks back. And so they're in the midst of something that is brand new in Acts chapter 2, the, the birth of the church, the body of Jesus Christ. It is more organic than it is organizational. The, the, the organizational piece will catch up with the organism. It's, it's a living uh, a movement that's going on in Acts 2. And so all these thousands of people who have just been baptized, they're coming together. And Acts 2.44 says that all of these believers were together 
and had everything in common. So their common unity, their, their commonality was found in Jesus, even though they were vastly different. So, so they were together. So the crux of koinonia is in togetherness. But not only that, the next verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 45 says, and they shared their possessions with one another. So, so we're, we're coming here to, to understand what koinonia is. It's togetherness that is going to produce sharing. Because if someone that you're together with has a need, then that means you're there to help meet that need. That's how the church is supposed to work organically so that we don't have to trust the government to work programmatically. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. I'll come back to the text. There's nothing wrong with government coming alongside, but it was never meant to replace the church from doing what the church ought to do. First to care for people in the household of faith and then those who are in the community. But sometimes, because we're individuals, we, we don't want to help people. But the Bible says they shared and they sold possessions. Why? Because in the first church, there were people of different economic status. So there were people who had and people who had a little bit more than those who had. They were the have-sums and maybe even a few have-nots. And so when all these people came together in Jesus, they had Jesus in common, even though their pockets were different. And so therefore, the people who had a little bit more in their pockets helped the people who had less in their pocket like me asking for a van or an SUV, because somebody has one or access to one, okay? That's how the body works. So, 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 and not only did they share together, but they fellowship together. Because Acts 2.46 says, they went from home to home, house to house. They were at the temple, then they went from house to house. In other words, they just didn't keep the church experience in church. They went from house to house, breaking bread and praying. That's fellowship. So when we start talking about koinonia, it speaks of partnership, togetherness, sharing with one another, but also fellowship. And that word we're familiar with, fellowship, fellowship. And here's how I have to understand it with my brain. Fellowship. What do two fellows do in a ship? <laughs> they got to work together. They got to talk together. Um, they got to share together. They have to stay on the same cadence together. If it's one of those small little rowboat kind of things. Uh, they, they, and then they're hoping together to get from this place to that place. And when they get there, they rejoice together. So fellowship, it, it's all of those things. But man, why do we try to do the Christian life without communion or partnership or fellowship? You see, the church at Corinth did not have koinonia. They didn't have koinonia, y'all, which is why Paul said, I got to pray this benedictory prayer that this church will have communion with the Holy Spirit. Why would I say Corinth didn't have koinonia? Well, if you read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, you'll know that rather than having koinonia, this particular church that Paul founded in Acts chapter 18, and he stayed there for about uh, 18 months, this particular church, they didn't have koinonia, they had confusion. They had confusion. And because of this confusion, they also had division. See, see it's hard to be together with people that you got an attitude with or against. 
So they're divided and a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so the spirit of the Lord could not really move in this church because of the confusion, which does not come from God. He's not the author of confusion. So when they would get together and have church, people, it was, it was disarray, disorder, all kind of stuff. Somebody got a tongue, somebody got a song, somebody got a prophecy. It's all out of order. And so there's confusion. God ain't the author of that. But also there was division because folks saying, I'm with Paul, I'm with Cephas, I'm with Apollos, I, I, I'm with Jesus. And Pete Paul is like, y'all are a mess up in here. Y'all acting like children. I can't even talk to y'all about deeper things in the Lord because I got to keep giving y'all milk because some of y'all still on the breast when you ought to be on the meat of the word. So this church had confusion and division. They did not work together, neither did they worship well together. And even when it came time to partake in the Lord's table, they didn't do that together. That's how you know. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 33 says, Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. <laughs> Isn't it respectful that when you have a meal, you wait for everyone in the house to come to the table before you start getting into it. But in this particular church, they would not wait for one another because Paul even would say, y'all are coming here to get your bellies full more than you're coming here for fellowship and to remember Jesus. Because in that day, they just didn't have the cracker and the little juice, the, the, the mc-eucharist like we use in the West here. Back then, they would get together, have a full meal spread, and in that meal, they would remember Jesus, his body, and his blood coming off of the Passover tradition, which was a meal. But some people were coming just to eat. And then some of them were coming, and they were abusing the wine and getting drunk. And then they're eating, and they're not waiting for others. So you see what's going on in this church. There's no fellowship, no communion, no partaking together. Let's get another glimpse of these folks in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. Paul says, for I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm going to have to come with my belt. Y'all need a whipping. Then he says, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. That's what I'm hearing about is going on in this church. And in 2 Corinthians, this is his most personal epistle because he's having to prove his apostleship because there were some false apostles who came into the church at Corinth claiming to be real apostles and putting Paul down, saying that the guy who started this church and who is your spiritual father, he's not real. And so Paul said, excuse me, but I got to boast for a minute in the Lord. This is crazy, but man, I am an apostle because of signs and wonders. I'm an apostle because of all the suffering that I've gone through and the ministry that I've done. And so all kind of mess is going on in this church, Strong Tower. You see, the church in Corinth did not experience partnership with the Holy Spirit. They didn't know about it, which is why his prayer is, I'm praying that y'all know about the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul may not have 
experience communion or koinonia or partnership with the Spirit at this church. But earlier in his ministry, during his first missionary journey, he did experience what a church looks like when there's a partnership with the Holy Spirit. So turn over to Acts chapter 13 as we close. Acts chapter 13. So, Church of Corinth didn't have communion with the Holy Spirit or with each other. That was confusion, division, chaos. But as a pastor, he's praying for them, he's teaching them, he's answering their questions, trying to get them on the right path to grow from milk to spiritual maturity and meat. But in the meantime, he does have reference, and that's in Acts chapter 13, where he experienced partnership with the Holy Spirit in the church at Antioch. So Acts chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger. Stop right there. Niger. That is a word meaning black. There's a country in Africa called Niger. Then there's Lucius, or as I like to say, Lucius, of Cyrene. Where's Cyrene? It's in Libya. Where's Libya? Northern Africa. So Antioch has diversity of Hebrews and Africans in the church as leaders. Because these are the prophets and the teachers. But it doesn't end there. Then there's Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. So this guy, you know, grew up in government. He might even be European. We don't know. And then there's Saul, who's a Hebrew. So here's the question. Why name the leaders of the church? To show ethnic diversity and spiritual unity. So their names are named there. Ethnic diversity and spiritual unity amongst the leaders of this church. So if there's going to be any kind of hope for a local church, it starts with leadership. If there's going to be any hope for your home, it starts with leadership. Everything rises or falls on leadership or a lack thereof. And so this church was blessed with good servant leaders. But not only that, look at verse 2. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Verse 3, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So the Holy Spirit comes into one of the worship services as they're ministering to the Lord. How do you minister to the Lord? By worshiping him. Now God doesn't need anything. But we're able to minister to him the way we're going to minister to him throughout all eternity as priests of God who offer sacrifices to God, sacrifices of praise. We minister to God when we worship him for who he is and not just for what he does. They're ministering to God and their worship was going up before God's nostrils, if you will, as a sweet smelling aroma. So as they're ministering, the environment is being set now for God to minister to them. So they're more concerned about what God gets out of the worship service as opposed to what they get out of the worship service. So they're coming to give to God 
and then God is going to give to them. But some of us miss God in worship because we're coming always to get something and not always to give to him saying, my hallelujah belongs to you. But we got our arms crossed. He hadn't come through yet. I'm mad at God. I'm a, no, no. My hallelujah belongs to I'm going to minister to God because God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Sometimes you got to wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Wait, I say on the Lord. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Right now, he's worthy of my best praise. Even if it's a shaky praise, he's going to get my praise. Even though there's pain in the offering, he's going to get my praise and my thanks today. So they're ministering to the Lord. And then the Bible says the Holy Spirit spoke. Now, the question is, how did he speak? Was there an audible voice? I don't know. But here's what I believe is probably more probable is that he spoke through one of those prophets who was one of the leaders in the church. Because remember, verse one, it says there were prophets and teachers in the church. So prophets were mouthpieces for God. And this is all before the Bible is completed. All they have right now is the Old Testament. They're living the New Testament out right now. And later they'll record this stuff. So God was still speaking through prophets at this time. And so in the highest probability, one of the prophets got up in the service where there was order and not chaos. And he may have said, uh, for thus says the Lord God. The spirit of the living God says, separate from me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them to do. So this church is in communion with the Holy Spirit because when the spirit spoke, they obeyed. Number one, their antennas were tuned in so they could hear the frequency of what God said through a prophet to the body. And then they obeyed because the, the verse says in verse three, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So they are cooperating with the Holy Spirit. They are working with the Holy Spirit and not against the Holy Spirit. Because somebody probably said up in there, uh, uh, man, I ain't feeling this right now. Paul, my boy, he's my favorite Sunday school teacher. I don't want him leaving us. Somebody probably didn't agree. That's okay. God doesn't need unanimity to move. The leaders got it. Many of the people got it because they laid hands. Now, here's the partnership of the Spirit. Look at verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. Wait a minute, I thought they sent them out in verse three. Now we see the Holy Spirit sending them out in verse four. Which one is it? It's both. The church is working in community, participating with the Holy Spirit. And they sent them out. The Holy Spirit sent them out. Every church needs to ask itself from time to time, are we in step? with the Holy Spirit? Is he leading us? And sometimes he will lead us to do things we've never done as a church. So here in this passage, they had never done this before. These are the first missionaries who are going to go out officially from the church. Never been done before. But one of the things that will shut down a move of God is the church saying, we've never done it that way before. We've never done that before. I don't know. 
But faith speaks differently than that. We, we, we don't lean on our own understanding when God starts speaking. And when God starts speaking, it doesn't have to line up with what you think. Because his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You just need to say, yes, Lord. This church said yes to the Holy Spirit. They sent them out. The Holy Spirit sent them out. It's my prayer that Strong Tower will be that sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That when he speaks, we obey. But let me say this too. When he speaks, he, he's not going to primarily speak through a prophet today. Eh? He's going to speak through the word of prophecy, the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is going to talk to the church from the word of God. This is the authority in this church, the word of God. And with that comes the leaders in the church who are called by God and held accountable by God to serve the church as under shepherds. So in other words... Whatever the Holy Spirit is going to do, it's either going to come, well, number one, it's going to come through the word and through the leadership on the word. And if it comes from the members, said, Pastor, what about this? Elders, what about this? Okay, let us hear it, pray on it, think about it. Because if we don't endorse it, you can't force it. Because sometimes members want to force stuff. But that's not how the Holy Spirit works. God always respects order. When stuff gets out of order, that's not God. So it must be the devil. So submitting to the leadership. I'll close with this. Uh, in Galatians chapter 5. Y'all have Galatians 5, that verse 525 from the NIV. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step. Last week, I talked to you about the power of God. The power of God is found in the person of God, the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the church, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. So the power comes when we are led by the Holy Spirit. So whatever God's going to do mightily in this church that breaks yokes and casts down strongholds, uh, uh, breaks chains, sets captives free, opens blinded eyes, whether literal or figurative, it's going to be because the spirit of God is doing it and we're following him. And so that passage says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step. So, so pastor, how does this apply to Strong Tower? Because we don't want to fall into the realm of Corinth. We want to be like the church at Antioch who are led by the Holy Spirit. It's going to come from the word. It's going to register with the leaders and the church will then confirm what the spirit is doing. That's how we want. But he says you got to keep in step with the spirit. If this was like a marching band, you ever see a marching band? At Franklin High, there are over 150 people in the marching band. And you got all these sections in the band. You've got the woodwind people. You've got the percussion people. You've got the people who are dancing. Uh, what was that called, Avery? The people, the color guard. You got all that stuff. You got all these sections full of people. And they go and practice their parts the music, the dancing, the twirling of the flag. They practice all that. Then they come together. Then they're in a parking lot working together. 
Then they go out on the field and practice because they got to stand on certain strips and yard lines and, and you, you got to have it right. Why? Because this school wins competitions because of their precision to be together. So all these different parts work together and you have these three, uh, uh, what them folks called out there? The drum majors. They're directing the sections. But over the drum majors even, who's that you got over the drum majors? The head drum major. The pastors are the drum majors. Pastor G and me and the elders. Head drum major, Holy Spirit. We can only play the tune he chooses. But we got to make sure we know our parts on the field and not try to do somebody else's part. Be content that I'm, I, this is my part. I am brass, then be brass. Do your part so we come together. All right, somebody said, Pastor, that, that still ain't good enough for me. <laughs> Keeping in step with the Spirit is like dancing with Him. You ever try to dance with somebody who don't want to be in step with the dance you're doing? <laughs> it's trouble. Y'all don't look right. <laughs> And then somebody don't want the other person to lead. The one person don't know how to lead. You need to be taught. Matter of fact, brothers, can you play the video um, from a couple of weeks ago at the church anniversary when y'all were out there dancing? Can, can we put that up? Here we go. <laughs> Now, y'all see us up there doing that, right? We working, we, we learning. Thank you for Patrick and Fronda Buckley. They, they were our teachers. Come on now, are, are they here today? Is that, that's Fronda, okay. Y'all were teaching us, because we didn't know that dance. So we had to keep in step with you. Now here's the deal. We had to cut the video off. Because once y'all started trying to dance, there were people over here doing it this way, there were people over here doing it that way. Y'all needed some practice. So I didn't want to even front y'all out like that. I said, let me cut it off right here. Because I had people facing this way, other folk facing this way, folk facing this way. But we were trying to follow our leaders. Oh, strong tower. The Holy Spirit is the one that we need to keep in step with. He's the one that shows us how, as a collective group, how to follow him, how to serve folk, how to love folk, how to listen to vision from heaven and apply it. But if we get out of step and do our own thing, that cannot be this church's testimony. And by the grace of God, it will not be. Let's stand for prayer. Let's stand for prayer. Amen. I think you got the message. I don't think I got to come back here. So this is for us. Why? Because God is birthing vision in the church. I've talked to you a few weeks ago about church planting. And man, God has been doing stuff. Keep praying about that, y'all. God has been doing some great stuff. And this is new stuff. Different stuff, ministries and all kind of things and missionaries. And he's doing a new thing. But I, 
I know people. And sometimes people don't like change. People don't like newness and growth. And some people don't like new people coming and new ideas. And, and, and we want to stop what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do to birth. Because God is not content to have us be in one place. He wants us to grow. He wants you to grow. And to grow, sometimes you got to break through some things. And sometimes it's breaking through traditions or even our own selfish agendas of what we think the church ought to be and who we ought to do stuff with and where we ought to serve. We're in step with the Spirit. Going to be in alignment with this word. Coming through the leaders to the body. And together, we're going to be in step with the Spirit. So let me pray this benediction over the church. Normally I pray Ephesians 3.20 about God doing exceeding abundantly into your life. Yeah, but but let, let, let me go Old Testament here. I wish I could speak Hebrew, but I, I, I can't. So I got to speak uh, English here. Uh, uh, matter of fact, matter of fact, matter of fact, to receive this benediction, do your hands like this. Do your hands like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Go in peace, Strong Tower. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen.